Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 10 of New Moon, titled The Meadow. So where we left off, she just did that double date with Mike and Jacob. Then everyone got sick. Everyone got sick. But it seems like Jacob has been sick for a little bit longer than expected. And now Bella's got something new to obsess over. So she starts this chapter by saying, Jacob didn't call. So what does she do? She starts calling Billy. She starts calling everyone she can think of. And Billy's just like either not answering the phone or when he does answer, not really answering her questions, just being vague. And so she calls several times a day for the next two days, but no one was ever home, she said. Well, I mean, people can screen calls, Bella. Just because he's not answering doesn't mean he's not home. And so then, naturally, she decides to go to their place uninvited and the place is empty. But like, they're dodging your calls, Bella. Why would your instincts tell you to go there? So then she stops by the hospital on the way home and is talking to the front desk there, asking if they've seen Jacob or Billy. So does she leave it there? No, she does not. So then she gets Charlie to call Harry Clearwater and get him to do some questioning. And she tells us that the conversation between Charlie and Harry went on for a long time. It seemed that Harry had been in hospital, dot, 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 some kind of tests for his heart. And then she leaves it at that. But I'm thinking foreshadowing. This is foreshadowing. And then Charlie asks him about Jacob and he's just like, oh yeah, there's been some trouble with the phone lines. Looks like Jacob has mono. So he's really tired. Billy said no visitors. And Charlie's like, don't push it, Bella. Just leave it for now. And (laughs) she says, I didn't push it. Which, I mean, it kind of seems like she's been pushing it. She went to the hospital. So then she goes to her room and starts Googling mono because that's what they said Jake has. And she says, I found a medical site online and typed mononucleosis into the search box. (laughs) Again, what boomer is writing this? I found a medical site online and typed into the search box. Just say you Googled it, Bella. And she says, all I knew about mono was that you were supposed to get it from kissing, which was clearly not the case with Jake. Now, don't presume to know who Jake's been kissing. Yes, he's got a crush on you and you didn't kiss him, but that doesn't preclude him from going and kissing other people. You're not the center of everyone's universe, Bella. Well, actually, she kind of is. 
According to this book, she kinda is. And she's staring at the computer screen, wondering why she's so suspicious, why she thinks something's up, and she can't quite put a finger on it. She doesn't think about how the same thing happened with Embry, like, a few weeks ago. But then she decides, you know what, she's gonna give Billy a week, and then she'll start getting pushy. She was like, a week was generous. Then we have a little paragraph break and she says, a week was long. By Wednesday, I was sure I wasn't going to live till Saturday. Now I know we've accused Bella of being dramatic in the past, but this is being pretty dramatic. She's not gonna live till Saturday just because her best friend's got mono. Like at face value, just leave him alone. Let him get better. Like we all know he's not really sick, but I mean, take a chill pill. And by not pushing it, she still has called three times, but the phone lines were still not working. And you can't see this, but I'm doing air quotes around that. I mean, the whole phone lines being down thing, like, are we really buying that? And Bella makes Jacob's mono all about her. So she's been in the house by herself for too long. You know, it's making it really hard for her because of all the repressed emotions are starting to creep back up again. The dreams are getting harder again. She's got that horrible nothingness. Like this was all Jacob's job to look after her, apparently. And so the hole in her chest was worse than ever. And it might not be metaphorical because she says she found herself hunched over day after day, clutching her sides together and gasping for air. Like these sound like very physical symptoms. And then one morning she wakes up screaming, but then she's relieved because she remembers that it's Saturday. And she's like, today I could call Jacob. And I was like, what what do you mean today you could call Jacob? You tried calling him three times in the past few days. And she's like, but if the phone lines aren't working, I'll go up to La Push. But Billy answers after the second ring. And she's like, oh, hey, the phone is working again. Hi, Billy, it's Bella. Just checking in on Jacob. And he's like, oh yeah, hi, Bella. He's not in. And she's like, oh, so he's feeling better then. And he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, Wasn't mono after all, some other virus. And then he says that he's going to give some friends a ride up to Port Angeles to see a double feature film and that he's gone for the whole day. And Bella's relieved, but she's kind of pissed off as well because she's like, oh, so Jacob's better, but not well enough to call me. He was out with friends and I'm sitting home alone. And okay, Bella, he doesn't live for you. Well, again, of course he does end up living for her, but I don't know why she thinks she's so entitled to his presence. And like when she saw him last at the movie theater, she pretty much said, I'm not interested in you. I will never be interested in you because of I'm hung up on my ex-boyfriend. Like it was a pretty coded conversation, but that's essentially what she said. So, I mean, if he needs to take a couple of weeks to have some time alone because he's just effectively been rejected, so be it. But no, she's depressed because the week apart didn't have the same effect on him as it had on her. Well, you can't have everything both ways, Bella. So Charlie asks what the go is. And she's like, yeah, he's hanging out with other friends. And she must actually be sounding a little bit sad because Charlie notices, (laughs) he notices his daughter for once, which is a big step for Charlie. And he's like mid packing lunch for a fishing trip. And he's like, oh, um, what's going on? You okay? And so he's like, hey, did you want me to stay with you since Jake's out? And she's like, no, 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 that's fine. The fish bite better when the weather's nice. Because that's what's important here, that they catch some fish. And then he's still thinking about it. And she's like, oh, dad, I'll just call Jessica. Uh, I've got to study for calculus test, So I'll do that with her. 
which I mean, we all know that's a fucking lie because we know about her life and the fact that her and Jessica aren't really getting along right now. But, but Charlie doesn't know any of that. He's like, great idea. I bet you'll have fun. Have a great day. And then he racks off to go fishing. But before he goes, he <laughs> out of nowhere just says, oh, by the way, um, would love for you to stay out of the woods. Like I told you before. And she's like, oh, more bear trouble. And he's like, yep, we've got a missing hiker. He said, the rangers found his camp early this morning, but there's no sign of him. Just lots of really big animal prints. Anyway, they're setting traps for it now. Now, this is the guy who pretended to have to work just so he didn't have to hang out at home with his daughter. And on the one day that something exciting happens in his town that he's the sheriff of, a hiker goes missing. A hiker goes missing and he's going fishing. He's like, well, it's my RDO. It's my rostered day off. I'm not going in. Whereas any other time he can't wait to, to ditch Bella and go and hang out at the sheriff's station when he's not even needed. But today of all days, he's off the clock. Gone fishing. And Bella's not really listening anyway. She says, I was much more upset by the situation with Jacob than by the possibility of being eaten by a bear. Well, what about the poor hiker who has gone missing? She doesn't care about them. So then Charlie leaves and it takes her two minutes of silence in the kitchen to decide that she wasn't going to stay home today. And she's like, hmm, what are my options? So she's like, well, I'm not going to call Jessica. I could drive to La Push and get my motorcycle and go for a ride, but then who would drive me to the emergency room? And then she's thinking, oh, I do have our map and compass in the truck. I'm pretty sure I could go and track down the meadow on my own. And I'm thinking like, you just found out a hiker went missing. Like this morning, early this morning, a hiker missing. Charlie said, do whatever you want. Just don't go out in the woods. And she's like, hmm, what can I do? What can I do? I know I'll go to the woods. And also it's just like a genuinely terrible idea for Bella to go into the woods alone, regardless of whether there's a big bear or not, because she'll get lost. Remember, she got lost a couple of chapters ago in the woods. This is a pattern. When has she ever gone into the woods alone? I can't think of a single time. Every other time she's gone into the woods, she's been with like Edward or Jacob, or there was that time she went on a hike with like Mike and that at La Push. She's never gone by herself. Just because she works at a hiking shop doesn't mean she's qualified. Why does she think this would be a good idea? So then she goes for a hike. And because it's a nice day, the forest is full of animal and bird life. (laughs) All right. And then she brings up a great point. She says, the forest seemed creepier today. It reminded me of my most recent nightmare. I knew it was just because I was alone, missing Jacob, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, oh yeah, you're having nightly nightmares that you're alone in the woods and lost and you can't find what you're looking for. And you think, hey, I'm going to go look for something in the woods by myself. Why would you do that? That's not going to help your nightmare situation. And then she says the deeper she got into the trees, the sense of unease grew and her breathing started to get difficult, but not because of exertion, because she was having trouble with a stupid hole in her chest again. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, come off it. You're just unfit and you're breathing heavily because you're hiking. Don't blame it on an imaginary hole in your chest. I might try that next time I go for a run and I get puffed. I'm going to be like, oh, I swear I'm fit. It's just, you know, the hole in my chest is playing up again. And then after walking four miles, she abruptly finds the meadow. 
She says it was the same place of that I was instantly sure. I'd never seen another clearing so symmetrical. It was perfectly round as if someone had intentionally created the flawless circle. What is this about, by the way? Are are, are symmetrical, perfectly round meadows in the middle of a forest, is that a normal thing? Or is this like a UFO crop circle type situation? It is pretty peculiar now that she's describing it. And she says it was the same place, but it didn't hold what I had been searching for. The disappointment was nearly as instantaneous as the recognition. So now she's fallen down on her knees, not able to breathe because she's thinking, what was the point? Well, yeah, yeah. What was the point? What were you expecting? Oh, you found an empty meadow. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happened. What, what did you think? Like, did she really think that she would have a vision of Edward or something? It's all been very unclear what her motivation was for this. She says, nothing lingered here. Nothing more than the memories that I could have called back whenever I wanted to. Well, yes, you could have always thought about the meadow. That, that's exactly right. That was always within your power. So what, what were you expecting? She says there was nothing special about this place without him. Were you expecting to find him there? And then she's feeling thankful that she's alone because she wouldn't want to have had this breakdown with Jacob watching. And she says it like three times in the next few paragraphs. She's like, oh, how lucky that I was alone. And then she's like, alone. And then she's repeating the word with grim satisfaction. And I'm like, okay, Stephanie, I see what you're doing here. You're building up some dramatic irony because she's not actually alone. Like, okay. She's like, yep, so glad that I'm alone. Uh, Dot, 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 alone in italics. And then she says at precisely that moment, a figure stepped out from the trees some 30 paces away. What's a pace, by the way? Is that, is that something everyone else knows that I don't? Like, I never went to scouts. I, I, I never went to scouts. I don't know how long a pace is. Like, what's wrong with just saying a meter? Even a mile. You're American, say a mile. What's wrong with that? A pace? What's a pace? So she says a dizzying array of emotions shot through her in a second. And then she goes and, <laughs> and describes just, just the one emotion. So she says, first was surprise. Because she's like, huh, who else would be out here? And, and, that, and that's the only emotion. Oh, no, uh, eventually, eventually she will also feel fear. And then eventually recognition. So three emotions. That's the dizzying array that shot through her. And so she starts feeling the fear because the figure is motionless. It has pallid skin. Pallid skin. Uh, which is interesting because it's Laurent. Spoiler alert. So that, uh, don't know how I feel about the use of the phrase pallid skin with that one. So she's feeling fear because she's like, I think that's a vampire. She doesn't say it in so many words. Of course she word jumbles it. And then she recognizes the face being like, oh, that's Laurent. And she says, Laurent. She cries out in surprised pleasure. Surprised pleasure. Okay, well, at least that's another emotion. So maybe it was a dizzying array of emotions, but imagine seeing a vampire, one as sketchy as Laurent, and you're all alone in a meadow and you're crying out in surprised pleasure. That's an odd response. And she knows it. she says it was an irrational response. Then she tells us all about who Laurent is. Just a whole giant paragraph on Laurent's backstory. (sighs) 
Who reading this doesn't know who Laurent is? Like, come on. He played a bit more of importance to the previous plot than Chess Club Eric. But you know what? She's feeling satisfied because the meadow was a magic place again. She was like, oh, I knew the meadow was special. What? Yeah, congratulations. You can die knowing that you met a vampire in the meadow. Like, surely she's twigged that she's about to die, right? I don't think she has. But she's like, here was the connection I'd sought. The proof, however remote, that somewhere in the same world where I lived, he did exist. Maybe just go into your closet and look at the car stereo that you ripped out of the dashboard. That's, that's your proof right there. Like she's already just told us, oh, of course I could draw from my memories, but no, she needed tangible proof. This bitch. And she says, it was impossible how exactly the same Laurent looked. As if she's surprised by now by the fact that vampires don't age and can't change their appearance. Like this isn't new information, babes. You got the whole rundown from Edward. Edward was showing you portraits in Carlyle's study where he looked the same back in the 1600s. But no, oh, oh, it's impossible that Laurent, after one year, could look the same. But then she says, oh, there is something I couldn't quite put my finger on. Ugh. She'll figure it out eventually. But she's talking about his, his glowing red eyes. So, yeah, he's, he's a hungry vampire. And here you are thinking, God, he looks nice. He looks like he hasn't aged a day, but his eyes are bloodthirsty. And Laurent is like, Bella. And she's like, you remember? And she smiled. She's like, you remember little old me? And then she's like, aren't you meant to be in Alaska? And I was like, why are you flirting with Laurent? It's so frustrating because as some of you may know, I'm reading Midnight Sun for TikTok. I'm doing... Uh, a a page by page analysis over on TikTok. It's a hoot. Follow me, Breaking Down Bad Books on TikTok. But I'm reading Midnight Sun and it's from Edward's perspective. And he is constantly telling us how everyone at Forks High instinctually keeps their distance from the Cullens because they might not recognize that they're vampires, but they recognize that they're dangerous, like deep in their subconscious Like they have a physical reaction to always keep their distance to be away from the Cullens. And yet here's this bitch in the middle of a meadow, just like, oh, hey, Laurent, how you been? How is Alaska? She just has no sense of fear. She's smiling that he recognized her. And it's just, it's not matching up with what Edward's been saying. Now we already know Bella's a little bit less cautious than other people, but it beggars belief. Oh, and now he's 10 paces away. I wish I could tell you how far that was. But now he's, he's walked 20 paces in that time. She said he strolled towards her, his expression bemused, but I guess he strolled 20 paces. So that's a quick stroll. And she's just staring at his face being like, God, he's beautiful. And then he says, oh, I didn't expect dot, dot, dot. When I found the Cullen place empty, I thought they'd moved on. And she's like, ah, he said the C word. He said Cullen. And so she's going into like a little inner turmoil. You know, her open wound is throbbing, blah, blah, blah. And like, you have more pressing concerns, babes. And Laurent is like, weren't you a sort of pet of theirs? And she smiles. She's like, something like that. Ha, ha, ha. How does she not get how much danger she's in? How does she not get it? And then she realizes 
that his eyes are still red. Whereas if he was in Alaska, not drinking human blood, they should have gone, you know, golden. Like the. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullens. And she says, with the same golden eyes that the dot, 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 Cullens, and then dash, I forced the name out, wincing, dash, had, full stop. So she's narrating this book in her head. So she's already thinking about the Cullens, but she's forcing the name out in her thoughts and that hurts her. It physically hurts her to think about the Cullens' name, but not think about the... Ugh. That's a bit of confusing narration. You really... You really are playing a number on me, Steph. And Laurent is like, do they visit often? And then finally, the fucking velvet voice starts whispering... Oh, whispering from her, whispering from her memory. So now, anyway, the fucking velvet voice is saying lie. So it's finally popped up. So Edward in her head has finally sensed the danger as well. And so she started at the sound of his voice, but she's like, but it shouldn't have surprised me. Was I not in the worst danger imaginable? Um, yeah, it's, it's still odd to me that she's getting startled by, by her own imagination. And so she's 
catching on to her predicament. She's like, yeah, they visit every now and then. And Laurent's like, the house smells like it has been vacant for a while. And then the voice is saying, you must lie better than that, Bella. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell Carlisle that you stopped by. And she's like, I should probably mention it to Edward as well, I suppose. And she barely managed to say his name just, you know, because, because it's so painful to say her ex's name. How unimaginably painful. And so she says that, you know, Edward's still touchy about the whole James thing. And she tries to like wave her hand dismissively, but she says there was an edge of hysteria to her voice and she hoped that he wouldn't recognize that edge of hysteria. And it's like, mate, you've been around vampires. You know that they can just like read your blood pressure. Essentially, they can just look at you and know when you're lying because they can hear your heartbeat and all of that nonsense. But she really thinks she's getting one over on Laurent. She thinks she's Kate Blanchett over here with the acting prowess. Like Bella, you're not Kate Blanchett. I'm sorry. You're not even as good as Kate Beckinsale. And so Laurent says, is he really? And so she says she's going to keep her reply short so that her voice doesn't betray her panic. And she just goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because nothing projects confidence like a, mm-hmm. <laughs> Is he really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then she's like, yeah, so back to Alaska. How's it all working out? And he's like, yeah, you know what? I like them there, but the restrictions are difficult. I'm surprised that any of them can keep it up for long. Sometimes I cheat. And she's like, oh boy. So her foot starts to ease back. But she froze when his red eyes flickered down to catch the movement. Does she really think she can outrun Laurent? Or that she could do anything without Laurent not noticing? And so now Laurent is deliberately taking steps forward. He could be nine paces away by now. We'll never know. And so Bella's like still trying to distract him just with, you know, just with chit chat. So she's like, oh, did Victoria ever find you? Which, I mean, not the greatest change of pace for a conversation. I mean, Victoria wants to kill you, Bella, but you could have asked him about literally anything else. And Laurent's like, yeah, you know what? I actually came here as a favor to her. Oh, but she won't be happy about this. Also, I forgot Laurent has a French accent. I actually came here as a favor to her. She will not be happy about this. And Bella's like, oh, about what? She said, eagerly inviting him to continue. Like, bitch, what's your game plan? She doesn't have a game plan. She really thinks she's going to talk her way out of this one. And Bella's never really been that good at talking, has she? And he's like, yeah, she won't be happy about me killing you. (laughs) Oh, and he said that in a seductive purr. So he'd be like, about me killing you. And Laurent's like, yeah, she wanted to save that part for herself. She's sort of put out with you, Bella. And she's like, me? Like little old me? And he's like, yeah, I know. Crazy, right? But James was her mate and your Edward killed him. So, you know, quid pro quo, potato, potato. And she says, even here on the point of death, his name tore against my unhealed wounds like a serrated edge. Get over it. You should be able to hear your ex's name without crumbling to pieces, especially when you're about to get killed. And like, I know Stephanie's all like in these books, oh, Edward's such an unusual name. It's such an old school name to be called Edward. No one, no one these days is ever called Edward. Bitch, lots of people are called Edward. Do you mean to tell me Bella's just walking around never hearing the name Edward? 
She can't go to a blockbuster and, and walk past the A section because she might see Edward Scissorhands. And she says Laurent is oblivious to her reaction, which I doubt because then he does sort of, you know, stick the knife in and twist it because he's like, although she'll be a bit upset because Edward clearly doesn't really care about you. You mustn't mean very much to him if he left you here unprotected. And she's like, ah, another blow tearing through my chest. But Laurent's got a great point. I thought Alice was meant to be like keeping an eye on Bella through her visions. So Alice never saw this coming. Alice couldn't have quickly had a little vision of Bella deciding to go into the woods and be like, oh shit, she's going to run into Laurent. Oh, what am I saying? Of course Alice wouldn't notice. Alice didn't notice when Laurent first came to Forks. So of course she wouldn't notice. What am I, what am I thinking? He practically did leave her unprotected. If Edward seriously thinks that he's been keeping an eye on Bella's safety by putting Alice in charge, Edward's an idiot. And so Bella's like, why don't you wait for Victoria, huh? And Laurent's like, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm quite thirsty, actually. And you smell simply mouthwatering. This again. Beer-flavoured nipples, Bella. And she's like, you'll never get away with this. He'll know it was you. And he's like, will he though? And Laurent's like, I'm pretty sure your scent's just going to wash away. There'll be no body to find. He said, there's no reason for Edward to even think of me if he actually cares enough to investigate. I think Laurent is forgetting that Edward can read minds. Maybe Laurent didn't know that, but Edward does have that up his sleeve. So, I mean, he could find out. And then the velvet voice, oh God, it's the velvet voice is still talking to her all throughout this, by the way. And it says, beg, my hallucination begged. Beg, my hallucination begged. Beg, it begged. She couldn't have thought of another word for begged. Oh, it's just so clunky, 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 clunky. But Laurent is pretty insistent on the fact that he's going to kill her. I mean, after his big speech, of course, because he's like, you know what? You're pretty lucky that I'm the one to find you because Victoria would have done a lot worse to you and tortured you. But I'll be quick. You won't feel a thing. Blah, 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 blah. And at this point, I'm like, wrap it up, Laurent. Dinner time's almost over. Have a quick snack. Kill the bitch. And she's finally realized she's going to die. And she's thinking, Edward, 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 I love you. She's just thinking his name. She's like, well, it doesn't matter now. I'm going to die. But something distracts Laurent. He pauses in the act of inhaling and whips his head around. And he says, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. (laughs) And then she's scanning around the meadow and then she sees a huge black shape coming out of the trees. She said it was enormous, as tall as a horse, but thicker, much more muscular. And she says, the bear, only it wasn't a bear at all. Like, does, does it really sound like it's a bear? She's thinking from a distance, anyone would assume it was a bear, but it's from a distance from her and, and it doesn't look like a bear. <sighs> so she's like, what could it be? What could it be? And it's wolves. How are all these people confusing wolves and bears? Like, am I taking crazy pills? But even a big wolf does not a bear make. She's like, of course you would think it's a bear, even though it doesn't look like a bear. Like, she's not even clear on what it looks like, but she knows that it's not a bear. And they've found prints. Charlie said this morning, oh yeah, there were animal tracks. A bear's paw looks a lot different than a wolf's paw, right? Even a big wolf. And there's five of the wolves. Is that not coming into play at all here with all of these reports? 
And I know I had just watched the movie and these wolves aren't that big in the movie. But in the book, they're, they're like a big bear. And Bella's staring at it and she's like, oh, there's a, there's a distinctly canine cast to the shape of it. She's just examining the way it moves and she's like, hmm, maybe it is a, maybe it is a wolf. And I was like, okay, zoologist Bella Swan, aren't you like in a predicament right now? But she's looking at the canine cast to the shape of it. <sighs> so Laurent's latreating and she's like, that's weird. I mean, I know it's a big wolf, but surely a big wolf can't scare a vampire. That's crazy. She's like, Laurent was afraid. His eyes were wide with horror, just like mine. That's bizarre. This is just a wolf. Oh, and then she says, you know, the other wolves. And she's like, but still, these are just a couple of wolves. How can a vampire be so afraid? And I was like, oh, you know the stories about werewolves. Is it that much of a leap? Jacob told you the whole story about La Push and the werewolves and the cold ones and the treaty. But she's like, that's a myth. Yeah, you were also dating a vampire. Vampires are myths too. So maybe, maybe be less skeptical from now on, Bells. <sighs> and so then the wolf closest to her, which was a reddish brown wolf, turned its head at the sound of her gasp and she makes eye contact with the wolf. And then she says, as it stared at me, I suddenly thought of Jacob. What a coincidence. This is the clunkiest foreshadowing I've ever read. As it stared at me, I suddenly thought of Jacob just out of the blue, just out of the blue, looking into its deep eyes that seemed too intelligent for a wild animal. I thought of Jacob and she's thinking, oh, she's only grateful for the fact that Jacob's not there. Otherwise he would die as well. But just how bizarre, just after making eye contact with this, with this red brown wolf, she's thinking of Jacob. What a coinkadink. And then if you haven't put it together yet, she says, another low growl from the leader caused the russet wolf to whip his head around back towards Laurent. The russet wolf. Now, how does she always describe Jacob as having russet skin? This is just like beating us over the head with a sledgehammer. If anyone reading this hasn't figured it out, I will eat my shoe. I will eat it. Who was shocked when the eventual werewolf reveal came? Surely no one was shocked. So then she's stunned because Laurent runs away and then the wolves chase him. And so then she's all alone in the meadow. She falls onto her hands. She's sobbing. And then she's thinking, geez, I should probably leave. And I'm like, yes, get up and leave. But she can't get up because she's just so confused. She can't understand. A vampire should not have run from overgrown dogs like that. Figure it out. Figure it out, you dumb bitch. That's, that's my new song for Bella Swan. Figure it out. Figure it out, you dumb bitch. And she's like, wow, I doubt his icy marble skin would smell anything like food. Why would they pass up something warm blooded and weak like me to chase? Yeah, because again, the world revolves around you, Bella. How could any, anything not want to eat you? So then she's running through the trees and it takes her hours to escape. (laughs) She says, at first I paid no attention to where I was. So So she's lost in the forest again. This isn't going to be good for her nightmares. And she's pretty jumpy in the forest. The call of a jaybird made her leap back and fall into a thick stand of young spruce. (laughs) So she is clumsy, guys. She is clumsy. 
But eventually she finds a truck, she gets in, she's crying. <sighs> blah, 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 blah. She gets home, Charlie's there, and Charlie's like, where the fuck have you been? And she's like, oh, I was hiking. Which is exactly what she wasn't meant to be doing, but she figured she shouldn't lie because he's probably fact-checked her alibis, the Stanleys. So there was that. And he's like, I thought I asked you to stay out of the forest. And she's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Won't do it again. And he's like, oh, okay. And she's like, I did see the animal though. I saw the bear. And she's like, and you know what? It's not actually a bear. It's some kind of wolf. And there are five of them. A big black one, a gray one, one's reddish brown or russet. And Charlie's like, oh shit, you okay? And she's like, oh, they didn't pay any attention to me for, for some unspecified reason. And Charlie's like, wolves, huh? You know what? The rangers did say the tracks were all wrong for a bear. So, so then Charlie's like, all right, well, I better call the station and, and report this. And she tells him she was in a different place because she doesn't want any of the rangers going near where she was because Laurent might find them and kill them. So then Charlie's like, are you hungry? And she shook her head, though I must have been starving. She says, I shook my head, though I must have been starving. What do you mean you must have been starving? Are you starving or are you not? It's you. You can tell if you're starving or not. I must have been starving. Well, are you? She's so annoying. And even though she's like, yeah, I must have been starving. She's like, nah, just tired. And so she goes to head for bed. Ugh. And then Charlie's like, oh, by the way, ran past Jacob today. He was out the front of the store down, you know, down La Pushway. And I waved, but maybe he didn't see me, but he was arguing with his friends. I don't know. He looks strange, like he was upset and different. You know, like that kid's really growing. He gets bigger every time I see him. This is the most we've ever heard Charlie talk. And it's just like laying the foreshadowing for the big werewolf reveal. Just laying it on so thick. So then Bella paused to check the locks again before she went to her room. Because yet vampires can't, can't jump up through a window. Edward slept in your bedroom after sneaking in through the window every night for like a year. But yep, no, check, double check that lock, babe. And then she's on the bed, she's crying, she's feeling helpless, and she realized with a nauseous roll of her stomach that the situation was worse than that because Charlie was vulnerable. He's sleeping one room away from her, so the target that's on her will also hit him. My scent would lead them here whether I was here or not. And this is a realization for her, even though we had a whole chat on her fleeing to Phoenix that that this was a possibility. You know, we had like Emmett and that like casing the joint because they knew that Charlie would be a target, but now she's realizing it all over again. So to calm herself down, she's fantasizing that the wolves catch up to Laurent and massacre him. Despite the absurdity of such a vision, the idea comforted her. Oh, how absurd. How utterly absurd that werewolves could exist. Even though she's heard all the stories about the werewolves and there's clearly something weird going on in La Push. And then she says she closed her eyes, wishing for a nightmare to start. Better that than the pale, beautiful face that smiled at me now from behind my lids. I think she's referring to Laurent there. So again, Laurent's pale. I'm really, really uncomfortable with the depiction of Laurent. And Laurent's words repeated in her head. If you knew what she had planned for you, dot, 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 dot. It's actually four dots. 
You ever seen an ellipsis with four dots? Well, there you go. And she pressed her fist against her mouth to keep from screaming. And that's the end of the chapter. What a chapter. Laurent's back. And also, I think we won't be seeing Laurent again. So a nice little cameo for Laurent. But he's had his time. Pretty sure he's dead. And so the next chapter is called Cult. So we're going to be addressing the fact that Jacob is now in the La Push cult that doesn't like meth dealers. Can't wait for that. I mean, she's got to figure out that they're werewolves soon, right? I can't remember what she does. She's probably going to go up to Port Angeles, go to a shitty bookshop, hire a book about werewolves, and then figure it out after doing some hashtag not Googling. Just searching on her search engine online on on the World Wide Web, she might eventually figure it out. We'll have to see. I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.